This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Love Tara by Eric Tripp. This is a significant band, Jay, because they were the first Canadian band to sign a sub pop. Really? Yeah. What was the second? I do not know. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me as always, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, this is episode 128, our third season of Dig Me Out, and um, I'm going to mention a familiar name that you uh, you and I have had a uh, now a long relationship with, and that name is David Dirty Gert Gorgos, and uh, he He's has challenged MVP. us. He's the MVP of this season. Oh, yeah, he is, he is the MVP of this season. He is our, our uh, designated ass kicker this season because he has kicked our ass with his suggestions this year. He brought us uh, Radial Spangle. He brought us Sports Guitar. He brought us another one that I have forgotten. <laughs> and I said, you know, you, he, this year we're doing our, our Paola you buy a, an episode, you get to pick whatever want you want. Thirty bucks gets you an episode. I said if you buy three, you get your fourth one free. And so he took us up on that offer. He's not the only one. I'm gonna give you a hint. There's gonna be another one to come up. But uh, David, Mr. Dirty Gert said, I want you to check check out an uh, a album called Love Tara or Tara, depending on your pronunciation, by a band called Eric's Trip. Now, Jay, were you familiar with Eric's trip? Nope, nope, nope. Not at all. See, now, I was, but it was not because of actually hearing them. And this okay. Now, Eric's trip are... Uh, they're a Canadian band. They're from Canada. Uh-oh. And there is another Canadian band. Well, there are several Canadian bands that I'm fans of, or that, that I am a fan of. Uh, one of whom is the Tragically Hip, who is a band that I'm sh- I, I know has confounded you uh, ever since I introduced them and their mm. uh, and their groovy uh, songs. Uh, <laughs> but in their uh, in their history, they have an album called Trouble at the Hen House, and there's a song on there called Put It Off. I believe it's the it might be the last track on the album. I have to double check. But uh, there's a line in. The song where uh, lead singer Gord Downey says, I played Love Tara by Eric's Trip. And when I heard that, I was like, what is that? Mm. And this was before the Google existed. It's or I think so. It's like, it's like 1998. I actually tracked down this record back then, uh, listened to it like once, and then forgot about it. So I actually have a history with this album. Did you look it up on... Um... Trying to think of some of the search engines. Wasn't like Excite, wasn't that one of them? Yahoo. Might have been Ask Jeeves. I might have asked Jeeve, uh, what is Eric's trip? I love Tara. I'm going to get a ruling on that if it's Tara or Tara. Somebody will, will chime in after we've recorded this. And then now, if they're Canadian, I want to see it be Tara. Does that sound Canadian? Tara sounds American. Tara. Tara. Yeah, it's Tara. Love Tara. Good call, Jay. So, that's my history with uh, this particular band. And uh, since this was a uh, requested... This is... 
I kind of like a bonus requested review. We need a uh, a new jingle for bonus requested reviews. Um, now is as good time as any to remind you that you can request your own review by visiting digmeoutpodcast.com, uh, our review page, request review page, and uh, we'll put you on the list for uh, reviews this year. We've got more coming up. But let's talk about the history of Eric's trip. History of the band. So Eric's trip formed in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada in 1990 by Rick White on vocals and guitar, Julie Doirin, Doirin, not sure how to pronounce that exactly, of course, on guitar, vocals, and bass, Chris Thompson on bass, guitar, vocals, and drums, and Ed Vaughn on drums. Um, Vaughn was eventually replaced by Mark Gaudet. Now at the time, Rick White and Julie Doirin, Doirin, ugh. It's D-O-I-R, Do-Iron. That's how it looks, Do-Iron. But I'm guessing it's not pronounced Do-Iron. They were dating, that's the point. Anyway, their first... This is a significant band, Jay, because they were the first Canadian band to sign to Sub Pop. Really? Yeah. What was the second? I do not know. (laughs) That's how significant this was. Okay. I know two pieces of information about Sub Pop that like the first firsties for Sub Pop, the first Canadian band, Eric's Trip, the first non-Seattle band. Do you know who it was, Jay? Oh, I should know this. They're from down the road. Oh, uh, it's the Ass Ponies or New Bond? Oh, I'm sorry, Afghan Wigs. Afghan Wigs, correct. Yeah. So they released uh, four cassettes between 1990 and 1992, which got them the attention of Sub Pop, who signed them. And this album, Love Tara, was released on Sub Pop in November of 1993. They followed it up a year later with Forever Again in 1994. Two years later, in January of 96, they released the album Purple Blue. And then they left Sub Pop and released Long Day's Ride Till Tomorrow on Sappy Records in 1997. Now, they had broken up by that point, so the Long Day's Ride Till Tomorrow was sort of a post-breakup release because they actually broke up in 1996. And then they reunited again in 2001 to play shows. Um, They've all gone on to do separate solo careers, and separate recordings. And that is the history, the brief history of Eric's trip. We did get some Facebook feedback, mostly from Mr. Shawn Michael Foster, who said, I remember them well, actually played, uh, he actually played in a band that opened for them at the Long Gone Apollos on South High Street here in Columbus, Ohio. So uh, maybe he'll chime in on what he actually thought of their performance once this episode goes up. South High Street. What, where, what would be considered south? South of... The, of downtown? Of, of downtown. So we were talking like Oy. German Village. Uh, okay. That yeah. area. Wow, okay. Probably like where Highbeck is or was. If it's still there, I don't know. Sure. So that would be south. I would consider that South High. For those of you not from Columbus... High Street is a large street that bisects uh, downtown Columbus, Ohio, and uh, runs. Well, you can take High Street, it turns into uh, Route 23, and then it 
you can take it all the way up to like Toledo. Yeah, it basically cuts through the entire city, including Ohio State University, downtown, mm-hmm. all the way through. So. Yep. Break out your old school maps, folks. Check it out. Maps, they're cool. So anyway, let's get to uh, let's get to this album, Love Tara by Eric's Trip. Jay, we had sports guitar. We had Radio Spangle. We had the one I'm forgetting. What was the, what's the one I'm forgetting, Jay? Space Needle. That's the one I'm forgetting. Yep. We had three what we would call difficult albums. Ones that we weren't quite sure what was going on for quite a bit of the album. We were confused. We were scared and alone listening to these records, trying to wrap our brains around what Dirty Gird had served us up. Big plate of confusion. So for uh, Eric's trip, did you love Tara or was this a bad trip? Uh, it was my favorite of the albums we've reviewed so far from Mr. Dirty Gert. Um, it sounds like love. I don't know if I love it yet. I could maybe get there. I feel like I really, I really just want to sort of cut this album in half and only review half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you had the same feeling I did, but... Um, sort of halfway through the record, I'd say track eight or nine, and there's 15 songs on this record, so somewhere yeah. in that ballpark. I started to feel like, A, the production, it, 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 you know, it's not a high, really, you know, great sounding, highly produced record in the first place, but it takes a even further uh, lo-fi turn down uh, about halfway through the record, and also sort of the formula that this band works with starts to become pretty repetitive so there's like a double double thing going on there against it two negatives and uh i just felt like at that point i'd heard enough of this band and i didn't need to hear more and it was actually making me not like the first half of the record which i liked quite a bit you know overall there's a nice mix of of material here and considering the band you know sounds somewhat young maybe not you know you know, they're not highly skilled musicians or anything of that sort, but they are pretty earnest and they come together with a good mix of sounds. Um, there's a distorted bass, you know, that kind of comes through uh, several of these songs that is really does a really good job filling out the mix. Um, there's male and female vocal that trade back and forth and sometimes harmonize, um, which works pretty well. Um, the male vocal, it's kind of a light almost higher pitched kind of like a weaker style vocal sounds like um Um, mac from super chunk at times there you go kind of vulnerable sounding Mm -hmm. that that type of vocal i like i like when it's um kind of buried a little bit behind some nasty sounding you know music either heavy distorted bass or heavy distorted guitars and just kind of some chaos you know there's some moments on this record where that happens uh, and I think it comes together really well. And the same thing for the uh, for the female vocal, which is, um, you know, actually, you know, it's pretty good, but it's the same kind of thing where it's it's fairly delicate and um, it, it kind of is a cool contrast to hear that style, vocal style um, with some chaos in front of it and some thick fuzz. Um, you know, I tend to like the stuff that's, that's more upbeat. Um, so anytime you want... Follow, um, Sunlight, songs that they're just good, like simple, 
I guess, indie rock song with a lot of energy. Some hooks in there, some melodies that you can kind of catch on to. The kind of thing, like, I found myself when those songs would come on, I'd, you know, genuinely get into them. Mm-hmm. Either bob my head or tap my foot and find myself really enjoying them, despite the fact that, you know, they're not the most sophisticated songs in the world or you know, the musicianship isn't anything that's going to blow your mind. But they do come together in, in kind of a special way at times. Um, and then there's a mix of some some lighter, quieter material in there that both the uh, both singers tackle that work to varying levels of success. Some of that stuff I could I could take or leave um, behind the garage. Just you know, kind of got an Americana style acoustic guitar strum to it, and um, it's fairly decent. Um, Secret for Julie is kind of a ballad, and they're okay. But they're an overall mix of like the first eight songs. There's like two or three of those, so it kind of mixes all together well and sets up the, the louder songs pretty well. Mm-hmm. But man, I don't know. The second half of the record, I just couldn't. There's a lot of... They also start to get in a lot of nonsense, like noise stuff and album track, you know, things. And then the loud songs get too loud to the point where they're like, I'm listenable and the quiet songs get too quiet. And I just felt like at that point, I kind of heard what I wanted to hear from the band and I don't know. They they kind of lose me on the second half. Did uh? Did they keep your interest all the way through? No, and I I think we're at the same point with this. Whereas out of the first seven songs, I was like six for seven, and then you hit track tracks eight and nine, which are both sort of like you know one minute to one minute and ten long, ten second long acoustic super lo fi. You know, one's got some talking in it, and the other one's just sort of you know guitar and vocals and and it just it even though they're only really just two minutes of song of music, it really like slows the album down at that point, and it starts to it kind of picks up, but it picks up in a real like the first half of it when they get into the louder songs, they're still pleasant tones even though they're lo-fi, but when they get to the second half, they start getting in some real nasty tones, almost as if the record's starting to fall apart, which is it may have been a stylistic choice, um, yeah. But I think that the album actually has a good bookend with Behind the Garage and then Allergic to Love. I would actually keep both those songs and then just sort of trim the the set the latter half of the record. I'd like to talk to you. I'd like to let you know how and when I follow you. Just what I'm thinking and why when I'm buying you from the corner of my see 
TV in my room at night The TV's always on all night But it's alright Cause I'm alone when I'm not following you along Watching the waves stop Watching I mean, there's some really good pop melodies in a lot of these up-tempo songs. Like I mentioned Super Trunk, and then obviously Guided by Voices when you're talking about a lo-fi sort of bedroom or, or garage rock recording. You, you kind of have to mention them. But they, they definitely hit some really nice harmonies in some spots, and they actually even do some, some nice use of dynamics and some nice uh playing around with parts i'm thinking of like belly where it kind of starts lo-fi and then it gets big and distorted and they actually build and it's only at about three minutes and i don't know 20 seconds and there's really not a, except for blinded there's not really a long song on this record blinded's barely four minutes but everything mm-hmm. is around the two and a half to three minute range so they do a nice job of even within a, com- a compact amount of time of actually throwing in quite a bit of change from the beginning to the end of the song which is nice because it can get a little bit repetitive where the slow songs are the ones that are acoustic and have either him singing sort of uh you know a warbly um uh, like you mentioned sort of a high-pitched tone or her singing and then the faster songs all tend to be distorted bass and and super energetic and um i have to say uh i think it's mark godette who's drumming on this record there's some times where He's really hammering the drum kit, and it's it's nice to hear because I think that's yeah. what I missed in all three of the records that we we listened to, especially with sports guitar, but with uh, Radio Spangle and and Space Needle, I just was missing that like some some drums, some really like hard hitting, uh, competent drumming where you you get that here from him. So it was I don't know, it's a nice change of pace. And it definitely made the up-tempo songs better. Yeah, there's a couple spots <clears throat> where there's a couple songs where the drums and the bass really they lock in together, and it it becomes really big sounding, and it kind of has a really good like just has a good groove to it. You know, it just mm-hmm. it all fits together and, and, and sounds big and full, and just kind of gets you moving. Um, so you know, it's effective in that way. There's a couple songs like. Uh, Sunlight, which is to me very reminiscent of Dinosaur Jr., and there's a lot of you know kind of crazy drum fills, Keith Moon esque drum fills all over it.
I'm with you. I appreciate that. Um, I think that's one of the one of the things that worked for me for this band um, more so than some of the others that um, Mr. Gogros has recommended. Um, you're right. The drumming is there. The drummer's part of the band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the others, so it's like you know, pitter pattering around and. I don't know, doing jazz explorations and all kinds of shit. It's like, man, just lock up with the bass player and hit those damn things hard. It's also nice to hear a distorted bass that sounds good because having been a bass player for 10 years and searching for that, like, nice, nasty tone, it's not easy to do because of the way that the bass functions within a band. Sometimes when you try to get that tone, you end up killing the low end yeah well i don't even notice when the bass gets distorted like that i mean they they pretty much let it take over and i think that's what you have to do like i I don't even know on some of those songs i I was struggling to even hear the guitar you know because it's just to your point there's no frequency left to hear much of anything i mean you'd even be better off and they might do this in some of them is try to mix in like an acoustic or something because the guitar (laughs) the guitar frequencies are pretty much eaten up by that bass so you might as well just go with that and have that, you know, lock up. Like I said, lock that up with the drummer and let the, that carry the song and, and intermix maybe some guitar lead kind of things or, you know, that type of higher end instrumentation, but not chords. There's just there's no room for more chords. No, and that and that's that's a wise choice on their part to back down the guitar when the when the bass is loud and nasty because it. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, you know, if this is a true bedroom recording, as it's sort of uh, legend has it, then if you're dealing with like a four track, you really have to be careful because too much of distortion is going to absolutely overpower the mix. Yeah. So the fact that they're even get the, able to get the bass to this level is, is pretty impressive. Um, mm-hmm. I did want to mention track three, Stove, which is not really one of my favorite songs in the record, but... Um, in researching this, I found that that tr- song was actually included on the uh, famous DGC Rarities Volume 1, which had songs by like Weezer and a bunch of other bands. And it's a compilation that we might throw into the mix at some point because it's got a lot of interesting hmm. artists. So Sloan covered Stove into a, me- a medley with a song called Smother, Anyway, the other bands that are on there are Nirvana, Weezer, Teenage Fan Club, Hole, Sonic Youth, That Dog, Counting Crows, Posies, so, and uh, Sundays. Anyway, so that might be a, a compilation that we might get to. That one, or perhaps the No Alternative compilation is another big one from the 90s. So, so I just checked out uh, Sloan's version of the song. Uh-huh. And their version, it sort of made me realize that melody sounded very familiar to me in the mm-hmm. Eric Strip uh, song. And then that's even more pronounced in the uh, Sloan version. Yeah. Um, it sounds a lot like a Beach Boy song. I'm trying to think what song it would be.
You'll have to listen to it and tell me what you think. But I'll go back and listen to it. Or maybe somebody, one of our listeners can chime in as, as to which Beach Boy song. It's the vocal think, melody. Uh, Stove sounds like specifically the vocal melody. The uh, the Sloan song is in that whole soundtrack is on uh, Spotify. Compilation, yes. Yep. Uh, is it I, I Get Around by the Beach Boys? Or Help Me Rhonda? <laughs> I don't know. All right. I'm not familiar with the melodies of those verses. I don't know. Very, very Beatles. Or it's a very Beach Boys esque, regardless if it's not like a direct melody. It's, it's something that you can kind of hear them playing. But you know that their presentation of it, and there's there's a couple of their songs on here. I mean, they they just sound like demos, and I can't help but want in my imagination think what they would sound like, even if they were presented more in like the full uh, band context that you know the other half of this material is with you know the the loud bass and you know some sort of guitar melody and full drums and everything. There's a couple songs in here that are mostly acoustic that I just feel like they're just sketches of ideas, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I can't, can't help but wish that they were, I could hear a version where they were finished, I guess, or presented in the way that the other songs are. Well, that's always sort of a, an issue with when you're dealing with lo-fi recordings that are done on a four track and you're, struggling with do i want it kept in this sort of pure state where it's got its mistakes and it's got its its errors and and rough edges or would i like to hear this fleshed out and and actually polished will it ruin some of the uniqueness and some of the character you know it's like it's like having an old piece of furniture that's got a nice patina on it do you actually want to polish it all off and 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 uh make it look brand new or is, or is the, the look of it and the, and the age of it, what makes it unique. So I know it's, it's different strokes for different folks, I guess. I'm with you where I hear some of these songs. And I'm like, Ooh, if that could just get, you know, if this mix was a little bit different and that guitar was a little less nasty and a little more refined and the vocals were brought up a little bit and they were actually adding a little bit more, if they were doubling them here and, you know, the drums were yeah. bigger sounding or... And, and I don't mean to completely dismiss the second half of the record, but like, so like a song like Spring, like I like that song, it's track 10, mm-hmm. but I can't help but think when I, when you listen to it in sequence that I've kind of already heard that song and it's, it's not like this band, at least in the, in the form of this record, like they have enough range to be able to kind of you know, some bands can kind of stay in the same formula and really push every single aspect of that to keep it interesting, you know, but still kind of stay within that formula, stay within that sound. They don't feel like that kind of band. Like there's just not enough. They don't know enough chords. They don't know enough dynamics. They don't know enough. They don't have enough range to be able to keep using that formula without you feeling like, well, this kind of sounds like three other songs and you know I like the one I guess a little bit better and I don't you know you just right. sort of feel like you listen to the same song over and over again there's definitely but a limited palette yeah yeah I mean individually when I sample them it's like oh well I like that one and I like that one but it's something about when you listen to them in the sequence it's just sort of doesn't work as well 
Well, like you said, it's 15 songs. It could be 10 or 9. Uh, I think that's why I liked Allergic to Love, the last track, because even though it's one of the quieter and more lo-fi songs on the record, it's them singing together, yeah. which they don't do a lot of on no. the record. They do some harmonies here and there, um, but they don't sing the entire songs together. Usually it's one or the other taking the lead, whereas I would have liked to have heard them play with that a little bit more and maybe even doing songs where they're trading off vocals. They do that a little bit, but you're right. They don't harmonize any other. Like, I mean, that song is is the most harmonizing they do, and it's a it is a nice bookend, and uh, uh, you know, it's a continuous theme. I think <laughs> too many songs. Uh, you know, two singers that don't do enough harmonizing and um, sketchy production, and then yeah. like um, sort of self indulgent explorations into uh lots of album tracks but yeah i I think that that is probably of the second half of the record that's probably the best song the um track 15 allergic to love it's just unfortunate that it's track 15 yeah yeah so let's get a rating on this record jay we're the album better ep decent single i think we're going to chop decent single off here i think we we have enough are you going with worthy the album or better ep i uh, to be true to the format i guess i gotta say ep you know I, I just think there's too much there's too much filler on here and it would i can't there's no way you uh, you can make the argument that this album wouldn't be stronger if you trimmed off at least four anywhere from four to seven songs so um, I think I'm at, you know, between six, five and seven total songs on this record. I'm at eight, so I'm going to make it a worthy album. It's not a huge difference. It's maybe the song, difference of a song or two mm-hmm. between the two of us. But I think eight gets them into the album category. So, But I, I agree with you in terms of the repetitiveness of the second half of the record, already sort of doing what had already been done, and then the sort of deterioration of the overall sound uh, sort of turned me off. So, but this is the by far the most enthusiastic we've been about a record that um, DG's brought to us. So, if a podcast times a charm. If podcasts had a um, Pro Bowl, we'd send him to Hawaii. Yeah, we would. They had an all-star game. He'd be the com- guy who comes out and pitches for a third of an inning. But they don't, so he can. Yeah. He has to stay in New Jersey. So that wraps it up for us and for Eric's trip and their album, Love Tara. If we mispronounced that, please let us know. If you have feedback, please send it on over. You can uh, email us or you can hit our Facebook page or Twitter, Twitter feed, whatever. It's all good. And uh, if you have some feedback for the podcast in general, preferably positive, head on over to our iTunes page and. Drop us a note and hit us up with some stars, and we'd appreciate that. And always, what as do, re- what? What else do you do on that website? On Facebook? Yeah, like you put other content on the website and Facebook. What are that kind of content? Well, we have a, we have a content every day, both on our digmeoutpodcast.com page, and then on Facebook we have uh, Mondays is uh, Today in 90s History, where you can find out what happened back in the uh, 90s on that particular day. 
On Tuesday, it's new release Tuesday. That's when our new uh, podcast is released. It's Wednesday. It's video flashback Wednesday where we dig out a classic 90s video. Always a good time. Thursday is any new albums that are relevant to the 90s that are coming out. Might be the new album by Soundgarden or Alice in Chains or maybe a more obscure band that uh, you didn't even know were still making albums. Or maybe it's the guy who was the lead singer in some band and now he's doing something else. We're going to let you know. And then Friday is our, our preview day where we preview an upcoming album and let you chime in with uh, comments about what you think of that record. And then we read them on the show. So, And then the there occasional you, you know random post about things that pop up. Maybe maybe a quiz or a or a, a poll of some sort. Nice. Oh, it's worth it's worth checking out. You're saying. Yeah, and I, I do want to maybe look into it. Yeah, and I do want to remind people that for everybody who uh, you know purchases one of our paid reviews this year, you are entered into a contest. Uh, don't tell Facebook because they'll get angry at you, and the, or the FCC. Uh, I don't. No, they don't govern us, do they? FCC? We're outside of their jurisdiction. Uh, no, it'd be the FBI. Or the NSA. <laughs> the ga- uh, was it? Gaming and... Yeah. Basically, oh, as a thank you to the people who have turned their hard into, hard-earned money into uh, payola and offered it to us as a donation to review an album, we're serving up a, uh, a gift at the end of the year. We're going to pick one of them randomly, and uh, we're going to we're going to thank that person who donated with a nice prize pack. Although I'm not going to call it a prize pack. I'm going to get, I'll call it a thank you gift. It's a, a thank you gift. It'll come in a basket wrapped in plastic with jars of jam and maybe a scented candle. Some bath salts. Are they legal anymore? Can you get bath salts? Because you can huff them, right? Can't, we don't we don't have bath salts anymore. They ruined that. Just like Four loco. <sighs> Damn kids. Anyway, that's enough ranting about bath salts. Let's move along. Let's get out of here. Jay, been real. That's it. We're going we're gonna to sign out and say thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages.